before I was a pastor, I was an Internet help desk technician for an Internet service provider. And even though my job was primarily to help the customers who called or emailed in, there were times that I was expected to train new employees. My supervisors would bring a new employee and tell them to sit at my desk and, and to tell me to watch me and learn how to handle the calls. Right? Now, this wasn't because I was the best technician that we had. It was because it was expected of all of us. Our supervisor expected that any one of us at any given time could take a new person and teach them the ropes so to speak. And, and I would say that this is probably true for most jobs. I mean, Michael, if you hired a new police officer tomorrow, would you expect that you could put him with a 10-year veteran and he would, the 10-year veteran would be able to kind of show him the ropes of how to be a policeman in Guyman? Yeah. Jason, if you hired a new teacher tomorrow, would you expect a, you could put them with a 10-year veteran and they could show them how to be a teacher in Goodwill, Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, we, we just expect this on every job that we would have. Most jobs will have these sort of expectations. Right? Anyone that's been there longer should be able to help those that are newer to learn their jobs. But it's not even really just jobs. It's, it's in most things. Think about in hobbies. Someone decides to take up the hobby of fishing. We would expect that someone that has been an experienced fisherman could show them the ropes and how to be a successful, successful fisherman. But if someone took up shooting, we would expect that an experienced marksman could teach them the ropes on how to shoot and could help them be a better marksman. If someone takes up weightlifting, we expect that an experienced weightlifter could give tips and pointers on how to effectively lift weights. But there's only really one area in all of life that we don't have this sort of an expectation. It's Christianity. By and large, we do not expect Christians who have been Christians a while to be able to take new Christians under their wing and give them tips and pointers on how to be a successful Christian. Now, the reason for this lack of expectation is that we have settled for shallow, low expectation Christianity. And if we are to go deeper with Jesus, then we have to reject shallow, low expectation Christianity. We have to be willing to move beyond that to deep discipleship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 is where we're going to start. That's page 922 if you have a pew Bible. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 5.11, it says, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have exercised their senses. To discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And of doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. The title of the message this morning is The Need for Deep Disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We need you today, God. 
to help us lay aside the cares of life. We need you today to open our ears that we could hear your word. We need you, God, to make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that he could speak these words into our heart that we need to hear today. Father, we want today to move beyond shallow Christianity to deep discipleship, but we need your help. Father, we are not able to do this on our own. The world around us lulls us into complacency. Our sinful nature pulls against deep discipleship, and the enemy of our souls certainly does not want us to ever move beyond the very basics of what it is to come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, God, we need you today to stir up our hearts. We need you to plow up the fallow ground of our hearts so that the good seed can go deep in our heart and bear fruit, that, Lord, we would all be deep disciples for Jesus. And it would be evident in the lives that we live, the fruit that we bear, and how we bring glory and honor to your name. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me not to be a hindrance in any way to what you want said or done. Let what's heard today be from you and not from me. Guide in all things. Help us to respond in ways that demonstrate Jesus is Lord over our lives. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Now notice in in chapter 6 and verse 1. Joe, can you turn me down a little bit? At least it sounds like to me. Um, In chapter 6, verse 1, it says that we're to leave the elementary leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ and and go on to perfection. Now, perfection, as the author of Hebrews means it, is referring to spiritual depth, right? He wants them to leave shallow Christianity behind and become deep disciples of Jesus Christ. In verses 11 through 14 of chapter 5, the author of Hebrews, he contrasts shallow Christianity with deep disciples. And and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at those. We're going to look at what a shallow Christians do, what deep disciples do. And the goal is so that we can examine our own lives, so that we can see, am I a shallow Christian or am I a deep disciple of Jesus Christ? So first, shallow Christians are dull of hearing. Shallow Christians are, are dull of hearing. He says at the end of verse 11 that you have become... Dull of hearing. Now, this means that they were negligent and lazy in their studying, but not only in their studying, but also in listening. Right? They weren't really paying attention when they gathered together. They weren't listening to the word that was proclaimed and the word that was taught. And, and it wasn't that they couldn't understand. It's that they weren't even trying. Right? They didn't even try to understand what Scripture said, what it meant, how it applied to their lives. And there are two pictures associated from this. One, I think most of the teachers and parents can relate to, is of children. Have you ever tried to, to tell a child something or teach them something while they're daydreaming? Right? Their, their minds are a million miles away. They're not remotely paying attention to what you're saying. They, they hear the words, but it never sinks in and does anything in their lives. The other is of apathy, right? that, that they don't care. They're they're complacent where they are. They're comfortable with the level of Christianity they've attained. They don't want any more of Jesus. They don't care what the Bible says. They don't care about becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. They don't care about getting into the Word to learn and to grow and to be more of who Jesus wants them to be. And all of this, it's associated and it is a symptom of shallow Christianity. So shallow Christians are dull of hearing. But deep disciples are eager to hear. Right? Where shallow Christians are dull of hearing, the deep disciple is eager to hear from God's Word. They aren't lazy in their own personal studies, and they aren't lazy in their hearing of Scriptures. They have a a strong, deep desire for God's Word. Uh, One of the best pictures of this is found in 1 Peter. 
Peter says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So the picture that Peter paints is if we have tasted the goodness and the graciousness of almighty God, that should stir up within us a desire for something, a desire for the pure milk of the word. Now, the word desire It is a a strong word in the Greek. It pictures an intense craving, a a strong, I mean, it's not just like I would like the pure milk of the word, but a a really a strong desire to it. But at the same time, the word in the Greek, it it is the desire is active and objective, right? It's active and that those with this desire are willing to do what is necessary to acquire their desire. But those who have who, who have or tasted the graciousness of the Lord and desire the pure milk of the word, they don't just sit around. They do what's necessary. They dig into the word. They go where the word is taught. They they do what they have to do to get where they can get to the word so they can get that satisfaction. But it's also objective in that the word is the only thing that will satisfy this desire. Right. The desire that they have. It's not for a random book. It's not for more time off. It's not for another nap. It's not for more music. It is for the word of God. Their desire is for the word and nothing else will satisfy them. Right? So the deep disciple has tasted the Lord's goodness. Right? This, this taste of the goodness of the Lord has put within them a desire for the word of God. And this desire, to move, this desire moves them to do whatever is necessary to get into the word. So they can be what it is that Jesus wants them to be. Now, we have to recognize with this that it would include the preaching of the word as well as our own personal study of the word. But typically, when we read something like this, we think of it as our own personal study, because how many of us have more than one Bible at home? We probably all have more than one physical copy. If we have any sort of electronic device, we have multiple copies of it on there. And so we read stuff like this in that light. Oh, I should desire to study the Bible on my own. But consider when Peter wrote this, personal Bibles did not exist. No one had their own personal copy of Scripture. The way that they learned Scripture was they gathered together in the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. So while this would apply to our own personal study of the God's Word, it cannot be limited to that. When we are deep disciples who have tasted the goodness of the Lord, we not only want to study the Bible ourselves, but we want to be where the Bible is proclaimed, where the word of God is being taught so that we can learn and we can grow and we can be who Jesus wants us to be. That's why preaching is a part of the worship we have in church. Now, keep in mind that worship is essentially two words, worship. Worship is declaring God's worth. So one of the ways we declare God's worth is that we gather in his house, in his name, and we devote time to the study and the exposition and the application of his word. So do you see this sort of a desire in your life? Our attitude about our personal study time in God's word It says something about whether we are a shallow Christian or a deep disciple. Our attitude about gathering and studying God's word together says something about whether or not we are a shallow Christian or a deep disciple. So shallow Christians first 
They're dull of hearing. Secondly, shallow Christians have to be taught. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, the oracles of God. Right, they have to be taught again the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, the idea here is that we ever get so deep in discipleship that we don't ever need somebody else to teach us. We don't. But the idea is that the only way a, a shallow Christian can learn is if they're taught by another. And they have to be taught these same things over and over and over again, and they still never quite grasp them. Right? What the author calls these first principles, the oracles of God, are what we might call the ABCs of Christianity. It's the very basics, the very beginning truths that you really even have to understand in order to be saved. Shallow Christians are unwilling to get into the Word on their own. They're unwilling to, to learn on their own. And since they won't get into Scripture on their own, they don't have anything to give to anyone else. They, they can't answer questions. They can't help others come to know Jesus Christ. They can't even help people understand the ABCs of Christianity because they still need to be taught those things over and over again. Things like, well, doesn't everyone go to heaven? Right? And, and, and if not, why not? And where, where in the Bible does it say that? Or things like, did Jesus die for me? And if so, why? Where does the Bible say that? Is church important? If so, why? Where does the Bible say that? Is sin really that big of a deal? And if so, why? Where does Scripture say that? Now, shallow Christians may be able to give the initial answer. They may be able to answer the very first part of the question. Doesn't everyone go to heaven? Did Jesus die for me? Is church important? Is sin really that big of a deal? But they can't give answers to the follow-up questions. They're not sure why everyone doesn't go to heaven. And they really can't show from Scripture where that's true. They're not sure why Jesus died for everybody, and they can't show from Scripture why it's true. They're not sure if church really is important, and they can't give an answer why, but they can't show from Scripture why it is. They can't show, tell why sin is a big deal, and they can't point to Scripture and explain why. They may be able to, a shallow Christian can often say what they believe, but they can't show what they believe. One of the examples I always think about with this is a fellow I knew in Godman several years ago who was a Jehovah's Witness when I knew him. And before that time, before he was a Jehovah's Witness, he, he came to America from another country and he wanted to be a Christian. And he worked with several people that went to evangelical churches in town. And he asked them, what do you believe? Doesn't everyone go to heaven? Did Jesus die for me? Is church important? Is sin that big of a deal? And they all said the right answer. But he said, he took a Bible and he said, where is that in here? Right? Show me in here these things so that I, I will know. And the evangelical Christians he talked to could not show him in the Bible why they believed what they believed. They could say what they believed, but they couldn't show what they believed. The first people in his life that were able to say and show what they believed were Jehovah's Witnesses. And so that's where he ended up, was in a cult. Shallow Christians 
may be able to say what they believe, but they cannot show what they believe. And in verse 13, the author says this is because they're, they're babes who are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Babies, of course, need to be fed. But as kids get older, they should be able to feed themselves. And that's kind of the same idea here. A new Christian is unable often to feed themselves from the word of God. But as they grow, they should learn and they should be able to dig into the word themselves and pull out some truth and some answers and some reality that they need for their lives. And those who don't become shallow Christians that must be taught the basics of Christianity over and over and over again. Those who have to be taught always and can never learn on their own, it's a sign that is a symptom of shallow Christianity. But deep disciples, well, they're self-feeders. And what I mean by a self-feeder is that a deep disciple is able to learn on his or her own. But they're, they're able to get into Scripture. They can study the Word for themselves and pull out answers and pull out truth and, and pull out things to help them live for Jesus and do His will. But because they're in the Word on their own and they're pulling that stuff out, they also have the ability to give to others who have a need. Right? Because in verse 12, he says that at this time you ought to be a teacher. Now, teacher, as it's meant here, I don't think it means to stand in front of a class and lecture or or teach like a Sunday school class. Teaching is a spiritual gift all of its own. Rather, the idea seems to be that a deep disciple is able to impart Scripture to others. They've been in the Word on their own. They've, They've learned it. They've taken it. They've understood it. They've began to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when someone comes to them for help, they're able to give answers from the Bible. So if someone comes and says, doesn't everyone go to heaven? The deep disciple says, no. No, everyone doesn't go to heaven. And the follow up question is why? The deep disciple can say, because Scripture says that only those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven. And when the next question is, well, where in the Bible does it say that? The deep disciple can turn to, say, John chapter 3 and and show that unless you're born again, no one can enter the kingdom of God. And, And that being born again, it starts when we believe in Jesus. And then they can further show them later on in John chapter 3 where Jesus says that those who believe are not condemned. But those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The deep disciple can give biblical answers to these sort of questions. When someone comes to the deep disciple and said, did Jesus die for me? The deep disciple can say, yes. Yes, Jesus died for you. And the follow-up question is why. The deep disciple can say, well, that answer is twofold. First, Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. Scripture teaches that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And Jesus came to die in your place so that you could have life. He wanted you to be free from condemnation. And so he took your place and he took your death and he took your punishment. The second part of the reason is that Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you to know him. He wants you to be in heaven with him. He wants you to have a relationship with you. And so he willingly took your place. He didn't have to. He chose that. Because of his great love for you. And when the follow up question is, well, where's that at in the Bible? Well, the deep disciple can go to Romans 3.23 and show them that all have sinned come short of the glory of God. Then the deep disciple can go to Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The deep disciple can then go to Romans 5.8 and say that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You get the idea of what the deep disciple can do in giving Bible answers. The deep disciple has spent enough time in the Word that the deep disciple not only knows what he believes, but he knows why he believes it. And he's able to show Scripture to back up that belief. Now, this doesn't mean that the deep disciple has every answer to every question, because there is no end to the number of questions someone could ask. But at the bare minimum, the deep disciple can give the answers to the ABCs of Christianity. Not just answers, not just say the answers, but show them in Scripture. They can do this because they've been in the Word for themselves. Also, shallow Christians lack discernment. Shallow Christians need are dull of hearing. Shallow Christians need to be taught. Shallow Christians lack discernment. Right? Verse 14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, those who are shallow Christians, they, they're unskilled in the Word of God. And this is similar to what we just talked about, but it's still a little bit different. The source of the problem is still the same. They haven't been in the word for themselves. uh, But the result is different. Here they have no discernment. And I would define discernment as the ability to apply scripture to the problems of life. I'm not talking about being able to name the 12 disciples or the 12 tribes or the books of the Old Testament in order or anything like that. I'm talking about being able to answer fundamental questions of life that the Bible does address. I mean, does the Bible promise health and wealth to those who follow Jesus? Does following Jesus mean that I'll live a problem-free life? Will I ever stop struggling with sinful desires? Will Jesus always make all of our problems go away after we pray and we ask Him to? Such shallow Christians have not spent time in the Word. They are unskilled in the Word. They cannot give biblical answers to questions like that. Since they lack discernment, not only can they not give biblical answers, but they are susceptible to accepting answers from just about anyone. But this is along the lines of what Ephesians 4 says about being tossed to and fro and being carried about by every wind of doctrine. But a, a shallow Christian will embrace whatever answer they find to those questions without regard to what the Bible says. Right? And, and often they'll embrace the answers without really caring what the Bible says. This answer makes me feel good. So I'm going to say it's true. Or or this answer is a meme on Facebook. Therefore, I'm going to say it's true. 
But someone wrote a book that gave this answer. So I'm not going to check it against Scripture. I'm just going to say that it's true. That this lack of discernment about what the Bible actually says, it is a symptom of shallow Christianity. But deep disciples have discernment. Deep disciples have their, but the reason of use, have their senses exercised so they can discern both good and evil. But deep disciples know that Jesus said, in this life, we will have many troubles and trials. Deep disciples know that the Word says that if we want to share in the glory of Jesus, we have to be willing to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Deep disciples know that the Word says that within us there's an internal struggle between the flesh and the Holy Spirit, and our lives are never free of that struggle. Something else that deep disciples have done is they've studied the Bible enough that they're able to go beyond the the you shalls and the you shall nots of Scripture. But in other words, they're able to study the Word of God for themselves and pull out principles about what's right and wrong without there being an explicit teaching of Scripture on that subject. So let me give you an example. There is no explicit Bible verse that says, don't look at porn. So is porn wrong? Now, since there isn't an explicit passage in Scripture that says don't look at porn, how, how can we as believers, as disciples, how can we say with any amount of authority that pornography is a sin? Not just morally wrong, not just ethically wrong, not just a violation of our trust with our spouse, but a sin against God. Well, we, we extrapolate based upon the teachings of Scripture, right? So, Jesus said it is a sin to lust. But I say that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Since porn causes lust, lust is a sin, porn is a sin. Now, there are all other kinds of passages we could bring in to show the same sort of an idea that pornography is a sin. Looking at porn is always a sin. But you get the idea. There are all kinds of things that we as believers, we affirm these things are sin, but they're not explicitly mentioned in Scripture. So how do we say they're sins without an explicit reference? We become deep disciples who can exercise our senses and we can discern good and evil. We can pull out principles from Scripture. We can say things like things that God hates are those who shed innocent blood. We can pull out that God was angry when they sacrificed children to Molech. We can take the fact that God says, thou shalt not kill. And we can say abortion is wrong. Even though abortion is never mentioned in Scripture. Right? We're able to take other passages that teach things and pull truth out of that and say, this is the application of that in our day. That's what a deep disciple can do, but a, a shallow Christian cannot. A shallow Christian has to have an explicit thou shalt or thou shalt not, or they're not able to understand. There's two final issues about this I want to bring out before we close. One is that the people that the author is talking to, they should have been deep disciples by this time. Right? Verse 12, for by this time you ought to be teachers. Right? You, they should 
have been teachers. The problem isn't that they're new converts and they haven't had time to learn, to grow and to become skilled with the word. The problem is that they had been believers long enough that they should have been deep disciples, but they were not. And that's important. Because as we try to examine our lives to see if we are shallow Christians or deep disciples, we can't look at how long we've been saved. Just because I've been saved 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that doesn't mean I've made the progress to become a deep disciple. I may well have been saved for 50 years and still be a shallow Christian. The length of time saved does not guarantee I've moved into deep discipleship. Second truth that we have to see is that they, they became dull of hearing. Verse 11. Verse 12. They needed someone to teach them again the first principles. They had come to need milk and not solid food. This is a picture of regression. Right? There was a time where they were not shallow Christians. Now, they may not have quite made it to the point of being deep disciples, but they were on the path to that. And something happened and they regressed to the point that they were shallow Christians. Now, that's a sign. That regression is a sign. If I woke up tomorrow and could not feed myself, there would be a sign something is seriously wrong with me. In a similar way, a believer who suddenly begins to regress and goes back to being spiritually immature. There is something spiritually wrong. What we have to understand is that spiritual depth, it's not automatic. And it's not normal. Right? It doesn't just happen. In order to be deep disciples, we have to put forth constant effort to grow in that direction. And when we don't, we regress. There is no standing still in the Christian life. If you get to a place and you say, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I don't want to go any further. I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to be changed anymore. You will not stay there. You will stay there for a little bit, but over time, you will regress. And you will go from someone who maybe was a deep disciple or on the path to deep discipleship until you are a shallow Christian. Regression is what happens when we stop going forward. That's why the author tells them in verse chapter 6, verse 1, to leave the ABCs behind. To press on to depth. To keep going. To not give up. But if they want to move on... And move beyond shallow Christianity to deep discipleship. They are going to have to work. They're going to have to put forth the effort. The passage in Peter I read at the start of the service said, Giving all diligence add to your faith. And that's what we have to do over and over and over again. Because deep discipleship does not happen automatically. So the key truth I want you to understand today is that deep disciples are made and not born. Deep disciples are made and not born. Becoming a deep disciple will not happen automatically. It won't happen just because you've been a Christian a long time. It won't happen accidentally. 
You'll have to work hard. You'll have to dig into the word. You'll have to accept correction. You'll have to follow the spirit. But every believer can be a deep disciple. More than that, every believer should be a deep disciple. Listen to a quote I read last year. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is primarily a spiritual problem. The desperate need is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. That's what's needed within the church of Jesus Christ today. Not more intelligent people, not more gifted people, but deep disciples. So are are you ready? Are you willing to move from shallow Christianity to deep discipleship? If so, let me give you some some next steps you can take. One, just be be faithful to church. But being faithful to church is a is a good start. It's not everything, but it's a good start because every time we gather together, we're going to study the word. Right? Most of the time when we gather together, we we look at one passage and we do everything we can to pull truth out of that passage. Very rarely do we jump all over the place. Most of the time we start in one place and we pull everything we can out. So when we gather and we do this, this should help us to become more skilled in the word of God. And we do this Sunday morning and we do it Wednesday night every week. Another one is... Join a Sunday morning Bible study. We have a variety of Bible studies on Sunday morning before the main service. And all this is, it's another chance to be in the Word. And the more we're in the Word, the more skilled we become with the Word. Something else that you can do is start a Bible study with someone. Now, I don't want you to get scared at this because what I'm talking about isn't necessarily to go out and you lead a study where you stand up and you teach everyone. What I'm talking about is get one person or a couple of people and you guys settle upon a book of the Bible you're going to study. And over the period of a week, you you study the Bible and you have the same frame of an outline and then you meet together and then you talk about what you learned in that one chapter that you studied all week long. Right. And an outline that that's a good one to go off of. I've got up here in some bookmarks is very simple. It's four things. Right. One has a, it has a light bulb. And as you read the chapter. You just kind of notice things that stand out to you. What was something that stood out? Maybe it was a new thing you'd never noticed, something that was just kind of neat, and you, you notice that. Next one is question marks. Something you don't understand or something you have a question about. The next one is a cross. How does this passage reveal Jesus? How does it show me my need for Jesus? And then an arrow. About what am I going to do with what I've just learned? But you get together with these people, you've read your Bible, you meet together, you, you make one to three items on each of those, and then you just discuss with each other what you learned that week. That, that's what I mean by a Bible study. It doesn't have to be you leading it. Just gathering together, studying the Word. And every time you do that, you're becoming more skilled in the Word. And then a final thing you can do is make a personal spiritual growth plan. Right? Because spiritual growth doesn't happen accidentally. You have to be intentional about it. Now, there are certain things that help us to grow. Right? Prayer is something that we need in order to grow as a disciple. Bible study, fasting, worship, silence and solitude, serving others, evangelism, and investing in the lives of others. 
Right now, these are things you have to be intentional about because none of this just accidentally happens. So something like this, a personal spiritual growth plan, it gives you the ideas of what you what you need to do to grow, the reasons that you do it, and then a place to make a commitment. Here's what I'm going to do every week regarding prayer. Here's what I'm going to do every day regarding prayer. Here's how I'm going to incorporate this into my life. And I'm going to set those up here if anybody wants to come up and grab them after service is over. But, but it takes effort. And that's the key thing. It takes effort. If you want to be a deep disciple, it will not just happen. You have to do something. You won't drift into deep discipleship. You won't accidentally move into deep discipleship. Deep disciples are made and not born. And are you ready to do the work to become a deep disciple? Let's all stand as our musicians.